The first reading can be found on page 890 of the Pew Bibles and is taken from Daniel chapter 6. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So the administrators and the satraps went as a group to the king and said, O King Darius, live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisers and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, O king, issue the decree and put it in writing, so that it cannot be altered, in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days... Anyone who prays to any god or man except to you, O king, would be thrown into the lion's den. The king answered, The decree stands in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to the king and said to him, Remember, O king, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order. And they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him. 
and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den, along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations and men of every language throughout the land. May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heaven and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The second reading may be found on page 1084 of the Pew Bibles and is taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 16, beginning at verse 29. Then Jesus' disciples said, Now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. You believe at last, Jesus answered. But a time is coming, and has come, when you will be scattered, each to his own home. You will leave me all alone. Yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. This is the word of God. Lord, unveil our eyes in order that we this morning, right now, should see you face to face. Experience again the knowledge of your love as you live in each of us. So open the words of this passage to each one of us this morning, we ask, in your name. 
Amen. Well, this morning we're turning, as you will have gathered, to Daniel 6. Thank you, John, for doing the whole chapter for us. Uh, It was a long one. But, of course, you can't get round the whole story. uh, And you need it all. It doesn't matter whether you've been coming to church for uh, all your life or whether you've merely brushed against uh, religion at school. You will know the story of Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel is the, uh, is the sort of equivalent of uh, the biblical superhero. We all love superheroes. Uh, the films nowadays are uh, very often uh, about that superhero who is the only one who is bold enough to face the foe. He is the only one, or she, should I, sorry. <laughs> they are the only person who is willing to stand and tell the truth when all around them are falling by the wayside. Daniel is such a person. This is exciting stuff. But it is also dangerous. This passage is going to speak to us, hopefully, in three different ways about our life. Because this is the the end of our little sort of mini-series on Daniel. And it's about our lifestyle and about being counter cultural, doing things differently from the world. And this morning we're being challenged in our working life, in our personal life, and in our spiritual life. And we're going to go through the the passage perhaps a little bit more closely than uh, sometimes I do. So you may uh, want to have it in front of you, uh, page 890 uh, in our Bibles. Darius is the king. Uh, We're not actually sure whether he was the king or whether he was just appointed Uh, to rule the the country, but whichever way, it doesn't really matter. Um, In any event, he is in charge, and he has set up uh, a satrap, if that's how you say it, I have no idea, but we'll call it satrap. I I was grateful for John for making that clear for me. Um, He set up satraps in charge of each region of the country. There are 120 of them, so it's a bit like the counties of Britain, each having someone in charge. Uh, and above them, uh, so you've got Darius at the top, then you've got three governors, and then you've got the satraps underneath. And, and Daniel is one of those uh, governors. That's verses 1 and 2. Uh, and he works hard, and he's blessed by God. That's verse 3. Uh, so Darius thinks, I know, a really good plan. Because he's the best, I'm going to point him above the others. Ooh, enter jealousy and scheming. It's always a problem, isn't it? Where you give someone power, others feel at, uh, that they've been uh, put down. And his rivals seek to plot against Daniel and try and find his weaknesses, the skeletons in the cupboard. So not surprisingly, they immediately hack his mobile phone. Uh, they send out the investigative journalists to find out some dirt on him. And they come back a week later and they say, we found it out. Nothing. Nothing at all could they find out about Daniel. No skeletons in the cupboard. No morose behaviour. No poor dealing with others. But if we want to get him, we've got to do something about the law of God. Because that's the only thing 
that he sticks to rigidly. Let's just stop there for a moment, shall we? Because he's been in this country for 50 years. He's about 80 years old now. And so during that entire period, he has upheld the law of the land. He's in a foreign land, a hostile environment, a foreign culture where they serve different gods. But that is what Daniel's faith is. It's counter-cultural. It's different from the rest. There was no need to look for anything else because he had everything he wanted in the God that he served. And that's a huge challenge for each one of us in whatever work we do. And that doesn't need to be paid work. It could be work at home. It could be work with friends. We're all in that sort of working relationship environment in our offices, in our hospitals, on our rounds as we meet people. How do we treat them? How do we speak with them? How do we serve them? Verse 4. They could find no corruption in Daniel because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. It's an interesting implication there, isn't it? Because the implication is that the rest of them really were corrupt and negligent in their work. So they knew that they would find something about Daniel. But they couldn't. If they looked at me, you'd find all sorts of issues and problems. Power is dangerous because power corrupts. Ask Seth Blatter. Yeah, you see, you've all read the news, haven't you? And his friends. 17 years and he thought he was above contradiction. Ask Robert Mugabe. Above contradiction because of power. So that's our first challenge this morning, to live Uh, to live out our work in an honourable, deeply integral, with great integrity, which will be noticed by others. And we'll come back to that. But back to the story, verse 6. The satraps and the administrators went as a group to the king uh, and they sort of appeal to his pride and his status. And don't we all love this. Wouldn't it be good, King, to have a decree where we only pray to you? Just you. Oh, fantastic. Just me? Sure. Fantastic. That is just the sort of honour and respect that I thought I was due. Bless him. He didn't really think, did he? Beyond the sweet words that they were saying. And there we see the pressure on our personal life. Because on the the one hand, we have the uh, the people of the world who are scheming, who are manipulative, and who want for themselves. And on the other hand, you have Daniel, who has a higher calling outside this world. And in the middle, we have Darius, who has seen the goodness of Daniel. Verse 16 will tell you that. 
The distress that he suffers will tell you that. But at the same time, he's, he's rather sort of encouraged and cuddled by the people of the world. And he thinks that would be good. That, that kind of feels right for me. And so he orders this decree. He's beguiled and tempted by the ways of the world. And he's compromised. And we've all been there, haven't we? Where our faith has been challenged and we have compromised. Either because that's what we wanted, because it made us feel good, or simply because we didn't have the strength to stand up and say no. Please say you've been there, because I have. We want to feel good in front of our peers. The satraps, of course, they just want to get rid of Daniel because their inadequacies are being exposed. Probably their malpractice is being exposed. So they have the decree from the king. And Daniel's life is exposed because as Christians, we are all visible. We, last Sunday evening, for those that were there, um, Debbie uh, shared with us a DVD uh, of an interview um, with a, a, a Roman Catholic cardinal, but also Justin Welby. Uh, and Justin Welby, the, the conversation continued, and uh, this is going to be my paraphrase, so it, it's not exactly verbatim, but it, it, Justin Welby started talking about faith, an invisible faith. And actually he ended up by saying, do you know, there's really not invisible faith. Because faith doesn't only affect your head, it affects your heart, your soul, your whole body. And when faith does that, you change. You change your behaviour. You change the way you treat people. Christians are those who act differently. They act compassionately and they help indiscriminately. And so it is with Daniel, because he has God in his personal life, so he is different. And he responds to that decree by returning home and kneeling to pray in an upstairs window, visible from the street. So his visible faith is made totally transparent. And of course it was a place where he was going to be seen and surprise, surprise, he is seen. And there's some useful things there, aren't there? It's useful to have a place of prayer which is common and regular for you. It's interesting that his home was a place of prayer. And each of our homes should be a place of prayer. And within that home you may have a chair, you may have a room, you just may have a place in front of a picture or just the open window where you can see the glory of God. And then he kneels, a physical sign of begging, of pleading before God, of God. His prayer was specific and special. And of course, as we've said, he was seen And I wonder, when we enter those particular situations, wherever it is, where we are tested, 
What do we do? Where do we find our safety in our personal life? Because very often if I'm tested, I want to run. I don't want that confrontation. I don't want that difficult situation. And I want to leave it behind. So I want to go. So for me, if I was challenged with this decree, there would be a real temptation that I would run. But Daniel finds his place of safety by going to God. That, for him, was the safest place he could possibly be. I could probably pray for a month inside my head. I'd do it in private, in a darkened room where no one would see me. But not for Daniel. Safety for Daniel was to be visible with God. What would we consider the safe option? Despite the threat before him, Daniel found safety in the presence of God. So that's our second challenge. How does our faith impact our personal life? And so when we get to verse 16, he is thrown into the lion's den. And just to give you the full picture, lions were actually quite common in Mesopotamia. They wandered freely. They used to go and hunt lions because they were dangerous animals. Sometimes they would round them up uh, if they caught them and they would put them in a park and feed them. But they would only do that because they were used as executioners. So this was a real... This happened. They used to throw people to the lions. These are not tame. Uh, And if we wanted any uh, reminder of that, of course, many of you will have read about the American tourist, who was actually an editor of Game of Thrones, I think, uh, who was killed this week where a lion put uh, its paw through the window of a car uh, and mauled them to death. Lions are not tame. So Daniel is thrown into the lion's den. He knew what the decree was. He knew what the punishment was. But he was prepared to go the full distance. And of course, Darius couldn't change things. The word of the king was law. So he had made the decree, and in the Medes and Persian law, a decree could not be changed once made. So he seals the den with wax and his ring, verse 17, to ensure that the stone is not tampered with. Like the stone in front of the tomb of Christ, it could not be moved. So, Daniel is in the, is in the, the den, the ring has sealed, and Darius has a troubled night. What is going through his mind I like that in verse 14, when John read it again. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel. But he couldn't. So even Darius had to throw himself at the mercy of God. And we'll come back to that. He's troubled all night. He wrestles with that moment of weakness when he uh, signed that decree. And at first light, he rises. It was easy for him because he hadn't been asleep anyway. So he gets up, he runs to the, the den of lions and he says, Daniel, are you okay? Has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to serve you? 
clearly to be saved was not expected. It was not what Darius actually expected or anticipated. It would be a miracle. And yet the God of Daniel is a God of miracles. And and Daniel, verse 21, I, I love his manners, because he starts off by saying, glory to you, oh, may Darius, may you live forever. So he's getting the niceties out the way. And then he says, my God sent his angels and shut the mouths of the lion. The king is delighted. He hauls Daniel out. And then the twist of the story, if you accused someone and that person was found to be innocent, you had to take their punishment. But not just you, the rule of the land was that it was you and your family. So they all get chucked in. And before they even hit the ground, the lions are there. (laughs) And they're mauled. And they're killed. What a price to pay. This is the spiritual life. This is where the rubber really hits the road. Because if faith is dishonest, or there is no faith, Just like the satraps, you bring about your own demise. For Daniel, there's that clear revelation that safety is with the God whom I serve. And then the beauty is Darius. Darius himself, who's struggling all night, who has sealed the tomb himself, who rushes to the den in the morning, And the God of Daniel has become his God. Because he says, he's my saviour. He saved you. And he saved me from the stupid things I've done. There is redemption. There is salvation. Because he's seen the character of God. Our God. Who is able to save the four of them, or the three of them, when they got uh, pushed into the fire. And Nebuchadnezzar was saved when he saw God at work. Belshazzar, well, God spoke to him, but he didn't have time, I don't think, to change. And his life was taken the same night in chapter 5. And now in chapter 6, we see Darius who perceives the might and the power, the protection and the majesty of God. And so he is saved and he sings his praise in verses 26 and 27. So what for us? Where is our behaviour in our working life, day to day? How does our faith impact on our personal life? because they flow from our spiritual well-being. Uh, And of course, there are many examples over the years where people have stepped forward in faith to take the place of another, and they've paid the ultimate uh, sacrifice. We know that. But what God promises is the knowledge that we are walking his path and that he will be with us as we walk. So, like Daniel, we can have peace. Peace with ourselves, that despite the fact that we have fallen, uh, we have sinned and, and we've fallen short, we are forgiven people. We're made whole again. 
God wants us to be visible people, to be seen to be his, standing apart, behaving differently, living in a countercultural way to bring glory and honour to his name. Then, like Daniel, when we need to feel safe, we will run to God rather than make peace with the rest of humankind. It's a real challenge this morning. But wow, it's exciting. I don't know whether you want to be in the lion's den. But how would you feel the following morning when you pat them on the head and say, thanks for a good night, thanks for looking after me. No one got near me with you around. Wow, what a God. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. And that's Darius speaking. The newly forgiven, redeemed, saved Darius. May he live forever with us in heaven. Amen.